before we jump into stuff, it, we've got a group of folks uh, who are leaving Thursday afternoon to go to Africa, to Botswana. We are, uh, our church, we partner with a church in Botswana, which is in South Africa. It's the country right above the country of South Africa. And um, we partner with a church there named Old Lady, not Old Lady, but Old Lady Baptist Fellowship. And uh, we partner with them. We send them financial support every month. So part of what you give here out of your hard-earned money every week, part of that every month gets sent to Africa to help what they're doing over there. And we've got a group of folks. Donnie, is it eight people? Six people. Six people uh, going this Thursday. And uh, they're going to be gone for about 10 days. And they're going to help move a feeding station. This church that we partner with over there, they feed over 100 orphans every day. And uh, they currently, there's a feeding station that they do at another place. They're, our folks are going to move that to the church property. And they're probably going to do a lot of other stuff that they don't even know they're going to do yet. That's the way it is when you go on farm mission trips. And the shirt I'm wearing today, we sold these a while back. It says on here, this t-shirt fed a child for one month. Uh, the, and the reason why is we figured up what it costs to feed a child in Botswana for a month. And then we sold these t-shirts for that amount. So if you would like to buy one of those today, you need, if, if you want to be sure that the money gets taken over there, they're going to take some money with them when they go. If you want to be sure that it gets taken over there Thursday, buy it today, all right? And it'll get taken. Now, if you buy it next week, we'll send it over there anyway, but it would just be cool for them to come with a, a nice size offering. So if you're going to Africa, I want you to stand up right now, wherever you are, if you're going to Africa. Go ahead. Come on. Good. Where's J Jason? Must Jason's in the back. I got you. Good. And uh, and we've got a couple of our. Uh, I know Mark Johnson's out of town today. Mark's kind of heading up the trip. He's going. And then Alan Waterfield's not here. So this is what I want you to do. If you're around these people, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to go to where they are. I want you to get around and put your hands on them. All right. And I'm going to say a prayer that God's going to bless them, give them everything they need. And as I'm praying, you pray over them as well. Okay. Just go to where they are. This is awesome. Very good. They're going to experience challenges that they don't even know they're going to experience yet. So we're going to pray that God will cover all of that stuff. All right? So let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful that you have put our church in a position where we can be a blessing to a church uh, on another continent. And it's only because of your goodness and your glory that we're able to do that. And Lord, I pray for each one of these folks uh, that are here today and the two that are not here, I pray for them as they get ready to go to Africa. Lord, I know they're going to feel apprehensive this week. I know they're going to uh, feel hurried and stressed as they try to get everything finished. I pray that you would give them a calmness in their spirit before they leave. Lord, as they travel, I pray that you would give them safe travel, and not only safe travel, but you would actually make the travel enjoyable, that uh, as they try to sleep on a plane, as they try to uh, deal with uh, uh, customs and all the different things they're going to have to do. Lord, I pray that that would be a smooth process. And Father, when they arrive, I ask that you would use them in big ways to make an impact on the people there in Botswana, in the, in the, in the village of Haverone where they're going, and with the people at Old and Lady Baptist Fellowship. I pray that you would give them strength, you would give them words of wisdom, you'd let them know when they need to be quiet and just listen, you'd let them know when they need to speak, that you'd give them grace, that you'd give them everything they need for everything they're going to encounter. Father, we know that, that Satan is not happy about them going over there, so I pray you would protect them from the evil one. 
And Lord, we know that you are stronger than he is. And Lord, we look forward to what you are going to do through them and look forward to the stories they're going to tell us when they arrive home safely uh, in over a week's time. And we give you the glory for everything that's happening in, in Botswana and everything that's happening here in Greer, South Carolina. And we love you, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So if you uh, get an opportunity before you leave today, just speak to these folks. You know, see, and if the other thing is too, they're all leaving family members behind. So if you know them and you know, uh, you know, check, check with their, um, their wives and their hus- husband. There's, where's Nancy's leaving Joel. Uh, but check, check with the, you know, them while they're gone to see if there's anything you can do for them. That kind of stuff. That would be, be really great. All right. Hey, uh, we're going to finish up our message series that we started way back at the beginning of August. And for, for the last several weeks, We've been talking about home away from home, and and we've talked about how in the Bible, especially it seems like in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament somewhat, there are these stories of people who, who didn't have home the way we experience home. They were either forced out of home or they lost their home. And, 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 we, and we looked at those stories because there's a lot of things in there that God can teach us about where we are today because for most of us, we live in a pretty secure home environment. Um, now, you know, we, obviously we live in a country where you can lose your home, but we're not like a third world nation. We're not like the folks in Botswana that, that our team's going to go visit with where that they live in danger of losing their home very regularly. And so we, we live in this kind of secure environment, and we can begin to get lulled into like a false sense of security. And, and there's some things we need to realize about what our real home is and, and, and where we're heading and all that kind of stuff. And we talked for this, this past few weeks, we talked about uh, the fact that, that home is where God sends us, and we talked about that sometimes that you can lose home. Uh, um, based on things that are outside of our control. Donnie, last week, he talked about that sometimes we do things that, that make stupid decisions that will make us lose home, whether it's an actual home or a marriage or a business relationship or whatever else. And, and he talked about how when that happens, God can still use us and wants to still use us. So we've been, we've been traveling this road together for the last few weeks. Well, today, we're, we're going to kind of conclude that and tie it all together. And, and we're going to talk about the fact that, that we all have this desire for home that lives in us. And, and in fact, I think even people that are not followers of Christ, they, they have this, this desire in their heart, and they maybe don't even understand really what it's all about. And what we're desiring is we're desiring our real home. And so today we're going to talk about our real home. Where is our real home if we're followers of Christ? And uh, so if you'll look at, uh, look at 2 Corinthians, I'm going to read five verses or ten verses of Scripture, excuse me. And uh, they're really pretty heavy-duty stuff, so I want you to follow along on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you. If you do have your Bibles, 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament. That's the second part of the Bible. And if you look, you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the first four. And then you get into uh, Acts, Romans, and then you have First and Second Corinthians. They're pretty good-sized books. So if you get Acts and Romans, just keep going to your right. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to read the first 10 verses of chapter 5. Before I read that, just you need to know that this book was, this book was written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, it's a letter that he wrote. What Paul would do is he would travel around and he would start churches, all these different towns. 
and then he would leave, and then after he left, he, they, people would write him letters, and they'd say, and by the way, it's good to read those letters because you find out people were just as selfish and stupid back then as they are today, right? And so they'd say, hey, we can't get along with each other because of this. You can't sound like the church you've ever heard of? And, uh, and Paul would write back and say, hey, quit being stupid, do this. Or, you know, he'd write back and say, okay, I understand that. Here's what you need to do. So this is, this is a letter that he's written back to the church in a place called Corinth. And, and he's just writing them about different things, some theological, some practical. And so look at Second uh, Corinthians 5, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. It says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Or if you're from Greer, naked, either one, all right? For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due Him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, there's some, as you read that, you might read it and say, man, some of that didn't make any sense. But we're going to kind of talk through it, go a little, kind of go verse by verse. But the first thing that Paul is talking about there as we read that is the first thing we need to understand is that we are not at home. We are not at home. That is a constant theme that runs throughout the Bible. You see it all the way from the Old Testament where the Israelites were having to wander around and you follow it all the way through the New Testament. The, the, one of the constant themes of Scripture is that we are not at home. If, if you live in, in Greer, Greer is not your home. Taylor's is not your home. South Carolina is not your home. The United States is not your home. Even the earth is not your real home. Back in 1972, there was a guy named Larry Norman who a lot of people consider the father of Christian rock music. And if you grew up in, in church in the 80s like I did, your youth minister would try to get you to listen to Larry Norman. I'd be like, dude, I want to listen to ACDC or whatever. But, but uh, Larry Norman, he, 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 one of his albums that's considered one of the first Christian rock albums was called Only Visiting This Planet. And the idea there was that this isn't really home. Earth isn't it. And Paul says the exact same thing in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Look at what it says there in verse 1. He says, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I think what's interesting about this verse is that Paul was a tent maker. When, when Paul wasn't preaching... He was making his living by making tents for people. So when he talks about this earthly tent we live in, he knew what a tent was like. He knew how flimsy it was, and he knew how it didn't last forever. And see, Paul is outlining here the differences between our real home, which is heaven, and the home we live in now, 
which is the earth, which is not our real home. We're strangers here, but our real home is in heaven. And one of the differences that he outlines is, is he says that heaven is a lot better. And of course you're thinking, well, duh, Cliff, who doesn't know that? That's why we say things like heaven on earth and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we used to sing songs growing up in church, you know, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Of course we know heaven is better. But Paul kind of outlines some of ways how it's better. And look what he says there, there in verse 1 when he talked about that it's an earthly tent but that in heaven, it's a house not built by human hands. Not only is it a house, it's an eternal house. See, everything that we experience here is temporary. And, and this house that, that you live in that was so important for you to build, it's just your temporary home, and you're not going to live there forever. Our eternal home is in heaven if you're a follower of Jesus. Philippians 3.20, another letter that Paul wrote, he says the same thing, talking about where our real citizenship is. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to you blow people's minds? You know, all these people that think that, that to be a Christian and be an American is the exact same thing, right? You want to blow their minds? Just say, I don't even consider myself an American. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not a citizen of the United States. And then they'll all go crazy and think you're like a heretic or something. But what Paul says there is, listen, our citizenship is in heaven. Paul was a Roman citizen. But he was saying, I'm not a Roman citizen all the time. I'm a citizen of heaven. That's where I really am. I'm just a Roman citizen right now. You're only an American citizen. You're only a citizen of the state of South Carolina now. If you're a follower of Jesus, your permanent citizenship is in heaven. That's where you really are going to spend the rest of eternity if you were a follower of Jesus. See, we're, we're strangers here, but we're on our way to our real home. We're on a, on a journey to our real home, so we're just passing through where we are right now. Look at, look at verses 6 through 8. Paul continues to talk about why heaven is a better place than earth, and this, this really gets down to why it is. Look at verses 6 through 8. He says this, Therefore, we are always confident... And know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Here's the main reason why heaven is going to be a whole lot better than earth. Yes, it's eternal. Yes, earth's temporary. Those are good things. But the main reason why heaven is going to be so much better than where we are here is when we get to heaven, we're going to be with Jesus. See, that's what Paul there says. He says, I know that as long as I'm here, I'm separated from Jesus physically. Now, you can be with Jesus spiritually, and we talk about it all the time, but when you get to heaven, you are not only going to spiritually be with Jesus, you are going to physically be with Jesus. You'll be able to touch Him. You'll be able to stand across from Him. He'll be able to give you a hug. You'll be able to sit down and have a cup of coffee with Him over a table and discuss things. You are going to physically be with Jesus just like now we can spiritually be with Jesus. And so what Paul is saying there is as long as we're here, we're away from that. He said, while I'm at home in the body, I'm away from the Lord. But he says, I'd rather be away from this body and at home with the Lord. When I um, uh, used to do youth ministry, we did, we did uh, mission trips, and we would do what's called a world changers trip. Our, our teenagers here do those as well. And if you've got a teenager, you, you need to be sending them with our teenagers to do world changes. What you do is, is uh, your kid pays money to go sleep on a floor and work on someone's house all week. It's awesome. You know, it's a great deal. 
And, uh, you know, they, but, and you ask them, they'll tell you they're glad they paid that money to do that too. And so we would go and we'd work on these, these folks' houses that couldn't afford to, to have work done. And we'd redo roofs and put in windows and paint and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we went to a, a little town in Alabama called Anniston, Alabama. A little small town not too far from, uh, from Birmingham, I believe it is. And, uh, and so we're there and, and we're working on this little, sweet little old lady's house all week long. And, and uh, she was the kind, you know, she'd make us lemonade every day. And uh, one day she made us fried green tomatoes and all that kind of thing. And like none of the kids liked and I ate like 12 of them or whatever. Because I like them, but I also didn't want her to feel bad. I almost made myself sick. And, and uh, so she was just a sweet little lady. And she found out where, I, she said, you know, asked us all where we were from. And I said, I'm from South Carolina. She said, where in South Carolina? I said, well, you've probably never heard of a little town named called Greer, South Carolina. She said, my neighbor down the street is from Greer. I said, really? She said, you need to go meet him. She said, he's always sitting on his porch down there. And I said, all right. So later on that day, I walked down the street and found this old guy sitting on his porch. And I went up to introduce myself and told him where I was from. And he said, I'm from Greer. And I said, really? I said, well, how long have you lived in Anniston, Alabama? He said, about 50 years. I said, really? I said, but you're from Greer? He said, absolutely, I'm from Greer. And he got to telling me this story. He, uh, it was a great, I mean, he told me all kind of good stories, but his dad used to work at Victor Mill, and he used to play on the Victor Mill softball team and all this kind of stuff, and our baseball team back then. It was when they did real textile league baseball, and he played on the team and played a little minor league ball, and he told me he never could make it to majors because he couldn't hit a curveball. And, and, uh, but he went into service, and in, in near Anniston, there's an air base or some, or used to be an air base or some kind of base there. And he got stationed there, met a girl from Anniston, married her, and stayed forever. Now he was a widower. She had been passed away for a few years. And, uh, but he told me, he said, yeah, I've lived here 50 years. He said, but if people ask me where I'm from, I always tell them I'm from Greer, South Carolina. After all those years, he would tell them that's where he was from. And I thought about that as I read this scripture. It doesn't matter how long we stay on this earth. This is not where we're from or where we want to stay. That, that it, it, you could have been a, a resident of, of Greer or Greenville or Columbia or Charleston or Atlanta or Los Angeles or New York, wherever. It doesn't matter. That's not really home and that's not where you want to stay. Your real home is in heaven. And that's what made Paul so amazingly bold. When you read through the New Testament, if you've never done this, Get the New Testament, and after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Jesus, start in the book of Acts, and read Acts, and then go on and start to read all the letters Paul wrote. And really, from Acts on to the end, it's just a bunch of stories about Paul's life and a bunch of his teachings. But you read there, you'll find out that when Paul was teaching the gospel, that they did think they stoned him, which doesn't mean they gave him, like, you know, crack to smoke. They threw rocks at him, tried to kill him, is what that means. They, uh, they threw him in prison. They beat him. It says that they beat him with it, you know, it didn't say within an inch of his life, but it says that they beat him that as much as they were legally allowed to beat him before he was supposed to have died. That he was bitten by a snake. He was shipwrecked. All these different things happened to him. And you know why Paul continued to teach the gospel? Because he knew it didn't matter what happened to him here. This wasn't home. I mean, wh how do you stop a guy like Paul from preaching the gospel? Because they would say to him, Paul, if you do that again, we're going to execute you. And he'd say, I wish you would do that. I've been waiting to die. In fact, why don't I preach the gospel right now and you kill me this afternoon and then I can have supper with Jesus face to face tonight, right? I mean, that was Paul's, that was Paul's mindset. 
And I thought about as I read this and, and thought about the fact that this is not our real home, that our real home is in heaven, that how, how that knowledge and that belief, it completely changed the way Paul lived on this earth. How would I live different? How would you live different if we really believed that this is not home, but that home is in heaven? And if we really believed that as long as we're here, we're physically separated from Jesus and, and that our greatest desire is to be away from here and to be side by side, face to face with Jesus. How would we live differently if we really believe that? Well, the second thing that we can learn from 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10 is not only is, are we not at home, but, but we long for our real home. We long for our real home. I told you a while ago that that I believe even people who are not followers of Christ, they have a longing inside them. They just don't know what they're longing for yet. And look what, look what Paul wrote in verses 2 through 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 2. He says, Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. In other words, what is mortal, while we're here, this is going to die one day. When we get to heaven, all the stuff that's one day going to die, and this is going to be swallowed up by life, that's given new life that's given to us by Jesus. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I love the word that he uses there. He uses it in verse 2, and he uses it later in verse 4 when he says that we groan. And in verse 4 he says, not only do we groan, but we groan in our burden. And you know, when, when we think about groaning, we think about somebody doing a lot of complaining or whatever. And I, I don't know if you've ever, sometimes I, I've been sick and I just want to lay in bed and just go, oh, you know, like that kind of thing. Maybe you've wanted to do that before too. But and the, the reality is nobody wants to hear that, Okay. Nobody wants to hear you groan. Nobody wants to hear you complain. But what Paul's talking about there is not complaining. He's not talking about that we walk around all the time saying, man, this world's so stinky. I can't believe I'm here. But what he's saying is we always are longing for home. We, as the, what he means there by groaning is, is that, is that we're, not, we're not complaining about this, but we're always understanding and longing for, man, it's going to be great when we get there, and I, I wish we were already there. I wish we were closer to there. And so we long for home. We long for our real home. Verse 5, when he says, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. I said a while ago that I think everyone longs for heaven, whether they realize it or not. You know, the scripture talks about in, in Genesis, it talks about when he, when he talks about God creating us, men and women, he says that he made us in his what? You know what it says? Image. It says that we are made in the image of God. Now that has a whole lot of different meanings. But one of the things that, that that embodies and that talks about is that us being made in the image of God, we have the fingerprint, we have, we have uh, the, the thumbprint of God on our lives. And so that while we're here, we will desire things that we don't really understand why we desire it. And even if you're not a follower of Christ, you'll always have this idea of this is, this is not exactly right. Something's not right here. And if you are a follower of Christ, you should be feeling that from time to time. You should understand that, you know, this, this is not really where I'm supposed to be. And that's the image of God because God has made us. He didn't make us for this world. 
He made us for heaven. It says God has made us for this very purpose. We were designed for heaven. Our bodies were designed for heaven. Our minds, our hearts were designed for heaven, not for earth. And so we're pushing us in that direction. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've just felt out of place. You know, what happens for us a lot in, in social situations. And uh, I, a few years ago, I went to a meeting uh, with a bunch of pastors there. It was a, a Baptist convention meeting. And a friend of mine was going to lunch, and he said, hey, I'm going to lunch with some guys. You want to go to lunch? I was like, yeah, cool. So we went over to um, Macaroni Grill over there uh, off of Pelham Road. And, and we got there, and, and we got seated. And my friend ended up getting seated kind of at the end of this table, and I was kind of down at the other end. And I was surrounded by these guys, and immediately I knew I didn't fit in there at all. And uh, I could tell it immediately by the way they were dressed and the way I was dressed. And uh, they, didn't pro they didn't leave their shirts untucked, and they didn't wear britches that were too big for them. And, uh, and they, they had on coats and ties and all that stuff. And that's fine. I, I got nothing against the pastor that wears a coat and tie. I'm just glad I don't have to wear a coat and tie. And... Um, but we got, we sat down and, and, and then, so, you know, we're talking and I'm trying to find common ground, talk with these guys and man, all of these, these two guys and one guy in particular, all they wanted to talk about was like convention, Baptist convention politics and they wanted to talk about, you know, the, this church over here and what they're doing wrong and this guy and how they shouldn't be using drums in their church and blah, 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 blah and all this kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there and, you know, and I'm just thinking, I, this is not where I need to be. And if, in fact, if I had driven myself, I probably would have excused myself to the bathroom and just gone and left, you know, never come back. They'd be like, where'd that guy go? But I had not driven, so I had to sit there and endure it. But it was one of those deals where just throughout the lunch, I realized I'm out of place here. And this is, this is, I'm just out of place. And I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like that, where you just felt like this is not the place for me. I'm, I'm out of place here. That is the way we should feel on this earth. We should never get too comfortable while we're on earth because we're not home. We should never get to the point where we think, man, everything here is just great. The earth is exactly, I love how things are going with the world. This is awesome. Man, teenage pregnancy, that is amazing. That's so cool. You know what? I mean, we should never, and I know I'm being silly about that, but the truth is sometimes we get a little too comfortable here. We get a little too comfortable with the way things are going. And we should never be completely comfortable. Now, I'm not saying you should be agitated all the time. And, you know, some of you are thinking, Cliff, I was going to go home and take a nap this afternoon. Am I not supposed to do that? And am I not supposed to be comfortable? You can be comfortable here, but not too comfortable. Because what happens is when we get too comfortable, we begin to be influenced by the ways of the world. And we begin to think that what's going on here is okay. You don't have to look back at verse 2 through 4 of, of 1 Corinthians uh, five, but, but what Paul talks about there, where he talks about this groaning and this longing that we have, that should be our natural, that, that should be our natural form of operation because what happens is when we are constantly looking at the world around us and saying, you know, I don't really fit in here, then what should that be drawing us closer to? That should be drawing us closer to Jesus because Jesus is in heaven and, and, and physically, spiritually, he's here with us. And, and, but we should be desiring that one day that's where I'm going to be. So we're not home now. We should never feel totally at home. Okay, so we're not home, right? And, and our real home is in heaven. That's what we've been talking about. But we're here now, exactly. I mean, are, aren't we here? None of you are in heaven already, are you? If you are, let me know. I want to talk to you about that. So we're here now. We're not at home yet. So what are we supposed to do between now and then? What, what do we do now? 
Well, that's the, the last part that Paul talks about. While on earth, home is not a location. It's following Jesus. While on earth, home is not a location. It's following Jesus. Look at verses 9 and 10 there of 2 Corinthians 5. He says, So we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. You see, home has not been a location on earth since the Garden of Eden. During the Garden of Eden, that was home. And because God created Adam and Eve, it t- the Scripture tells us that everything there was perfect, there was no sin, there was no shame, there was no sorrow, and that said that God actually walked through the garden, He was there physically, so that everything there, that was at that time, home on earth was a location. It was the Garden of Eden. But when sin entered into the Garden of Eden, then from that point on, home became on earth was no longer a location. They were kicked out of the garden. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. The rest of us who followed, we followed in that sinful pattern. We were born with a bent towards sin, and we will eventually sin in our lives. I know some of you are thinking you never have, but you will eventually. One day you will, I promise you. And so we're always, so we, we're always bent, we're messed up, we're broken goods. I am, you are, your grandma is, everybody is. And so, so what happened is when we were kicked out of the garden, now home is no longer a location, but home is following where God wants us to go. It's following Jesus. That's why Abraham, the story we talked about the first week of this series, which follows in Scripture very closely behind the Garden of Eden, just a few chapters over, it's beginning the story about how Abraham was wandering from place to place to place. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 8.20. When he's talking about himself, he said this. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, talking about himself, has no place to lay his head. What Jesus is saying there to us is this. He said, I don't have a home. And you're not going to have a home while you're on this earth either. But if you will follow me, I will take you home. Luke 9, 23, when Jesus says that if any man wants to follow me, he must take up his cross daily and follow him. Deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow him. So what Jesus is saying, that's why all the time around here, when I refer to people, I don't use the word Christian a whole lot. I talk about Christ followers. I talk about being a follower of Jesus because our life day by day is we wake up this morning and we say, I don't really know. I've got this schedule. All right, I think I know what's going to happen on this plan today. I got it on my Google calendar, but I'm a follower of Jesus. And if he directs me somewhere else, that's where I'm going today because I'm a follower of Christ. And that is home for us while we're here. It's not a location, but home is following Christ. And when we follow him, he's going to take us home one day. I don't know if you ever have an opportunity to go to an old person's funeral who lived for Jesus their whole life. It's the coolest thing you'll ever go to. Because, and by the way, and sometimes you go to a person's funeral that didn't live for Jesus and the pastor has to lie about how good of a person they were. But I'm talking about these funerals where the person really did live for Jesus most of their life. 
And the pastor can stand up there and he talks about how God welcomed them home. And that's exactly what will happen one day. We'll follow Jesus and your body's going to start to break down and you're going to find yourself in a nursing home or a hospital or laying in your bed at home with a hospice nurse standing there next to you and your family gathered all around you and you're still following Jesus and Jesus is going to show up and he's going to say, okay, it's time to come on. We're going to take the next step. And you just follow him like you've done all your life and it'll be the most natural thing in the world to follow him right home into heaven. Because our home here is not the house we live in or the bed we've been sleeping in. Our home is following Jesus. And if he tells us it's time to go to heaven, we go. If he tells us it's time to go to Africa, we go. If he tells us it's time to move out of the neighborhood you're in and move into an apartment building and minister to the people there, you go. Because that's home. It's following him. That's why it's dangerous to get too comfortable where you are. Now, I'm, as I, I want to tell you something. I'm preaching to myself here, all right? Sherry and I have lived in Greer. Next week will be 16 years we've lived here. We've lived in the same house in October will be 13 years we've lived in the same house. We're pretty settled. And in my mind, I don't have any plans to go anywhere else. But it's dangerous for me or for you or for anyone else to get too comfortable where we are to where we begin to have a list of reasons why we can't go somewhere else. Because then we'll begin to tell Jesus things like, well, God, I, you know, I can't leave because the kids, they, they like this school. Or I can't leave because we're close to my family. Or I can't leave because, well, my, my mom's getting older and I've got to take care of her. I can't. And we'll come up with all these lists of reasons why we can't follow Jesus. And it's dangerous for us to get too comfortable. And what we have to remind ourselves of day after day is home is not 103 Thistledown Way, which it has been for me and Sherry for all these years. Home is not Greer or Blue Ridge or, or living right outside of North Greenville University or wherever it is you live. Home is following Jesus. And if following Him means that He wants you to still be there, then stay. But following him might mean that he wants you to move somewhere else. Following him might mean he wants you to pick up a new job, go back to school and learn something. Who knows? But home is no longer a place. It's following him. And the thing about all that stuff is, is that when, God re when Jesus really challenges us to do something new, even if it's not move, but even if it's take up a, a new ministry or, or step out of our comfort zone, we come up with all the excuses of the things we'll lose if we do that. The funny thing about that is all the things that we'll lose are things that we never could have kept anyway, and the things that we'll gain are things that we could never lose. If God calls you to do something and you have to give up money or you have to give up a house or you have to give up any material thing or that kind of stuff, those are things that you never could have kept in the first place. But what you will gain by following Jesus are things that you can never, ever lose because they're eternal. Because when you get to that eternal building that he talks about early in, in chapter uh, 5, that eternal building in heaven, then that's where your reward is going to be. Now, I want to finish up by, by touching on just an important part of this, and I don't want you to miss it. The fact is that not everybody can go home. See, our real home is in heaven, but not everybody can go home. We live in a society, whether you know it or not, we live in a society where we believe that pretty much everybody goes to heaven. Just ask someone that you know that's, that's not, a, not a follower of Christ and ask them who do they think goes to hell. 
And they'll probably say, well, you know, Adolf Hitler, I'm sure he's in hell. Jeffrey Dahmer, he ate people. Surely he's in hell, right? You know, they'll think that. Or Charles Manson. If they're a Republican, they'll say Barack Obama's going to hell. If they're a Democrat, they'll say George W. Bush has already got a house built in hell, right? I mean, that's, but, but other than those things, we believe, we live in a society where everybody believes pretty much that, oh, you just, it's all, it's, in the end, it's going to all work out in the wash, and God graves on a curve, and, and we're all going to go to heaven. God's really not going to send anybody to hell, is he? We're all going to go to heaven. But that's not what Scripture teaches. And in fact, in 2 Corinthians 5, 5, look at what he says there. He says, now it is God who has made us for this very purpose. Remember, he's made us to live in heaven. He's made us for this very purpose, and he has given us the what? Say it out loud. The Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. You know how you get the Spirit? You accept Jesus as your Savior. You don't have it if you don't accept Jesus. And if you show up, if you die and you show up at the gates of heaven and you try to knock and, and come on in and God's going to say, where's your deposit? I gave you a deposit back there. We got a house, but the only way you can get this house is you got to put your down payment, you got to put your deposit on it, which is the Holy Spirit. Do you have your deposit? And if you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior and lived that way, lived for Him, you haven't accepted Christ, then, then when it comes time, you're going to say, I don't have my deposit. And those are the people that go to hell. And those aren't just Adolf Hitler and Jeffrey Dahmer. Those are people that taught Sunday school and that visited people in the nursing home and that, that coached Little League Baseball and that did all those things. Those people go to hell every day in this world. Because the only way we can get home is we've got to follow Jesus there. And if you're not following Jesus there, you're not going to get home. And then verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 5, and this is a verse that scares all kind of people, where it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things while done in the body, whether good or bad. I told you a while ago that this earth is a temporary place, and it is a temporary place, but the things we do here are being recorded. And we're going to have to answer for them one day. All of us are going to have to answer for them one day. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, Cliff. What if we're a follower of Christ? If we're a follower of Christ, you know what that moment's going to be like? We're going to stand before God and God's going to say, hmm, wow, I see that when you were 12 years old, you looked at a Playboy magazine. And then Jesus is going to say, yeah, I already know about that. I got that covered. Oh, I see that when you were, you know, 20 and in, in uh, college, you failed out of school because you got drunk every night and had sex with five different girls. Jesus said, yeah, I already know about that. I got that one covered too. He's accepted me. I got that covered. He's going to say, well, I see that you, uh, you abused the people that worked for you and, and you made them come in all the time when they shouldn't have come in and you told them you didn't care if they got divorces from their husbands and wives. Jesus said, I got that covered. I know about that. Because that, we're going to have the deposit of, of the Spirit and, and, and we're going to follow Jesus right into heaven and that's the only way we're going to get in. Even as we go through the judgment, we're going to get into heaven because we followed Christ. Not because we were good enough, but because we said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and you're the only one that can get me there. So if you need to put a down payment on a house in heaven today, you can do it. But you've got to give your life here on earth to Jesus. And that means you tell him that you believe he died. Not only do you believe it, but you're ready to commit yourself to it. And you're ready to live life for him. So I want you to bow your heads. And if you are not a follower of Jesus... If you don't even know what that really means, you can pray this prayer and mean these words in your heart. The Scripture tells us that God will forgive you of your sins 
and give you the deposit of the Holy Spirit to live in your life. So pray this prayer after me if you need to ask Jesus into your heart today. God, I know that I've sinned and I know that sin will keep me out of heaven. But I want to go home to heaven with you when I die. I pray that you will forgive me of my sin, not because I deserve it, but because I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he rose again. And I believe that that's my only hope. I want to give my life to Jesus. Amen. Now, if you are a follower of Christ, if you prayed that prayer, by the way, I want you to t let me know after the service is over, let Donnie know. If you are a follower of Christ, um, just think about what this means. If heaven is your home, what are you doing here today that's maybe getting you a little too comfortable and how do you need to point towards heaven a little more?